This is the Cover 2 Podcast with Don Banks and Nick Stevens. Brady on the deep drop, stands in, fires down the middle. Fort Gronkowski makes the grab at the 45, spinning away from defenders. He's gone to the 20, to the 10, to the 5, to the end zone. The Cover 2 Podcast on Patriots.com. The play fake and the throw to the end zone for Antonio Brown. Touchdown, Pittsburgh. Nobody covers the NFL like the guys from Cover 2. Eight different receivers have caught a pass Matt Ryan today is looking to throw again. Wide open, Julio Jones has it, and in the end zone, touchdown Falcons. Now, Don Banks and Nick Stevens. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Cover 2 Podcast with Banks and Stevens. I'm Don Banks, joined by my co-host, who's finally back, Nick Stevens. Nick, we were going to give you one more week, and that was it. One more week. Jeez, I come back. Not only do I get greeted with the third nor'easter within a month, which made me yearn for the sunny shores of southwest Florida, but my favorite team has had veritably all the free agent meat vultured off its carcass. Good gravy. What kind of what? greeting and welcome back is this, Don? What team is that again? That's your Patriots? Uh, the, the, yeah. uh, the artist formerly known as the New England they Patriots at this day. point? I had a hard day on Tuesday. Uh, now, I'm no QB whisperer. I'm no O.C., nor am I a GM or football genius. But I'm pretty sure the game plan heading into a season is not to tell your aging superstar quarterback, uh, hey, uh, we're going to take chugging a, Tom Brady. <laughs> that beer-chugging, no-good, strawberry-eating Tom Brady. That was a great little clip, by the way. I thought he did a nice job on Colbert. Of course I would. That wasn't really beer, though, was it? Had to be. Did you see the look in his eyes, the was, zest he had for it? It was that tea. That, that competitive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Carbonate, it was kombucha. It was carbonated green tea. Right. That they would say to Tom, like, uh, yeah, um, Tom, uh, we're going to go ahead and take away your uh, favorite third down look. We're going to take away your starting running back. We're going to take away uh, your, left, your tackle. left tackle, too. Uh, so. Dola. Dola gun. They, they took a hit to the handsome. They took a hit to their fast. They took a hit to their clutch. Obviously, everybody knew Malcolm Butler was going to go, but right. also uh, buried in the. We don't want to bury the lead, uh, or like a little uh, side story here on the front page of the Patriots Football Weekly, which is who's left. Um, they just lost their punt returner and their kick returner too. Right, that's big loss. Yeah, it was a tough day. Well, hey, look, there's so much to talk about. Obviously, <laughs> um, we're going to try to hone our focus a little bit. You know, the first thing, an overview. I couldn't help the feeling last night. Free agency is still, as of this moment, about five hours away from starting, and yet it feels over. Um, it yeah, feels is it, com- does it have an encore? Cause- it, is com- it feels completely over because the 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 branches have been picked fairly clean. Now, and Dominican Sue is going to hit the market after 4 p.m., and I imagine he's going to have a few teams fighting over him. But, I mean, just let's, for example, look at – let's focus on the quarterback market because – we, in the span of a few hours over the last two days, really yesterday, everything that has been up in the air for weeks has pretty much gotten settled. And if you're the Minnesota Vikings, this thought occurred to me. You watched yesterday, you watched Case Keenum, Denver, Sam Bradford, Arizona, Teddy Bridgewater, Jets, and you supposedly locked up Kirk Cousins. You better get that autograph on a contract because you your other three guys are all gone gone gone. So Kirk I'd Cousins, have him there at three fifty nine. Well, two fifty nine central. Well, he wants to visit, so he's saying that he won't sign. I guess until Thursday, which is going to feel like this agonizing wait for your Vi- your basic paranoid Viking fan. You just like have him like you take him around for a juicy Lucy. You show him downtown. You say, hey, St. Paul is also great. You have. The the uh, the Hollywood like personal assistant right there with like the leather valise like with the contract. I'm right. like, so Kurt, uh, Kurt, no pressure, just uh, it you know, it's, it's, it yeah, feels yeah. like you know he just wanted the peace of mind of seeing the place that he's going to live and work. Um, played college ball not too far. He's, right, he's Midwest friendly. Yeah, upper Midwest. He knows the weather. He's played in cold weather. Uh, although they're dome, in a dome stadium is going to prolong his career. Right. And he plays in Detroit, so that's nine games a year right. in a dome. Nine indoor games guaranteed to start for the next three years. Right. And hopefully a playoff game or two. I don't think there's going to be the instability on the sidelines no. and the front office and in ownership. Which as is well. why I never could buy the Jets, because he just left a franchise that has largely been known for dysfunction for the last two decades, the Washington Redskins. 
He was not about to climb into a Jets situation that, yes, they've had some good years and they've had some stability. They've also had an awful lot of change, a lot of dysfunction along the way. Minnesota is the most stable. I don't even want to waste a lot of time because we did talk a lot from the Super Bowl on about why it was a good fit. You you've, you called it mm-hmm. to the Vikings. With Orlovsky and with Peter King. And Peter said Jets. And, you know, I'll defer to Peter because he is the guru in the you know, sage. He, but... he changed that to Broncos, as mm-hmm. I was saying a, a mm-hmm. couple of weeks. But anyway, I think the more interesting topics are the other quarterbacks. Um, Keenum to Denver. I don't think they're getting what they think they're getting, which is I, I feel like Keenum played as as good as he can play last season. I'm not sure he's got above that. He's got another ceiling um, space to grow into. I get it. He's an upgrade for them. But there's a feeling I have about Keenum that maybe the planets aligned perfectly in Minnesota for him. Will they in Denver? Remains to be seen. And I don't know if, if, um, if in time we won't look back and see a pretty big gap between Cousins and Keenum. I just hit the fave button, and then I retweeted that, what you just said, entirely. I'm 100% on board. Even when you just started speaking, my thought was, I bet Don is going to say, I think everything worked out perfectly last year. I think that was such an outlier season for Case Keenum. We know him as the hard luck story on Hard Knocks. He's Mr. Hard Knocks. We know him as a guy who was just begging and pleading and needing that starting opportunity. And it came at the perfect time for him with a team that had the weapons, with a team playing with a great defense, with a solid coach. It was a perfect set of circumstances. And in the NFC North, Chicago fell apart and the rebuild began. The Lions were the Lions. And Green Bay lost Rodgers a quarter of the way into the season. The stars aligned perfectly for Keenum. I'm surprised John Elway went there or jumped in Maybe he did because he realized he wasn't going to get Cousins because... I think he did. I think I th- that's exactly what he did. He, he said, I'm coming out here with one of these two, mm-hmm. and I, I don't like the vibe of Cousins, so I'm, I'm going to grab one of them while I can grab and, and, in essence, say, we won, declare victory and get out. Minnesota just went and paid sticker price at Nordstrom, and John Elway didn't even shop at Nordstrom Rack. That was a Kohl's or Steinmart purchase. I don't think Case Keenum is going to be the answer there long-term. And the weapons that he's surrounded with in Denver are aging. Yeah. You know, Emmanuel Sanders. They did keep Demarius Thomas. I think his best years are behind him. There's some miles on the tires now of Manny Sanders. And the backups like Fowler are okay. They've also had O-line problems of late. So, I... You know, when you when you look at the talent drain on defense, it's a hard case. Uh, Joe Banner made this point to me in the Q&A I do with him each week. It's a hard case to make that Denver is on the upswing. I'm not sure I'm completely buying that either. You lost Tlaib. Um, you've lost other – last year you lost some d- defensive talent. This is not the same defense that took the field that day against Carolina in um, – Santa Clara and no. won the Super Bowl. Von Miller is still firmly entrenched in his prime, but the D line has been picked at. The secondary now has lost a key member with Talib. The linebacking core last year, as we saw, definitely was hurting. They got a lot. There are teams right now that are throwing insane. They're they're throwing Hollywood money around. It's cartoon money. And then there are teams that we can already clearly see have their work cut out for them, not only in the back end of free agency, but also the draft coming up. All right, let's a couple quick topics around the quarterback position. Let's go lightning round. Does Cleveland now go Barkley at number one and take a quarterback at four? I say no. I say they still go quarterback at one because they have learned their lesson. They can't screw around. They have to get the guy they most believe in, unless there's two guys there that they feel completely equal about, and that never happens. I'll tell you who I love them possibly taking. And I saw our friend uh, Daniel Jeremiah move the sticks predicted in his most recent NFL Network mock draft. He has them taking Minka Fitzpatrick at four. I love that. That kid can play. Now, you pair him up with Peppers back there. You have got a solid secondary. You take your quarterback and you let him sit behind. And grabbing Tyrod Taylor for quarters on the dollar I thought was also a great move because that gives you some mobility and stability and they just I believe signed Carlos Hyde who I think is an upgrade over Crowell I agree you got my boy Duke Johnson back there and next thing you know 
Cleveland's going to be hanging around some ball games this year on the run. Made some really good moves. All right, let's talk about the Jets. They get back in. They don't get Cousins. They get back into Josh McCown one year, ten million dollars. Then they re- then they sign Teddy Bridgewater to a one year prove it deal. Teddy Bridgewater to me is a lottery ticket. Okay, you, it's a fifty to one odds at the beginning of the season that your team's going to win the Super Bowl. You don't expect to hit it, but it's worth the price of seeing. If you can get lucky, because you don't know anything about Teddy Bridgewater after two years basically being out of the game. I kind of like that signing. However, I don't think it's great. It's a great spot for Bridgewater. But do the Jets still draft a quarterback at number six? Again, I think they do. 100%. I think they have McCown. Bridgewater is your, your flip of the coin. Maybe we get something. Maybe we don't. And you take a quarterback, Josh Rosen, somebody like that at six. Then I have no idea what they have Teddy Bridgewater for. I think the wrong Minnesota quarterback went to Arizona. We'll get to that in a second. I just don't see what the upside is. with. The, I don't think Bridgewater has a Meadowlands arm. You need an arm down there with the swirling winds in the Meadowlands. You know, McCown's always had a big arm. McCown played, uh, I wouldn't say out of his mind, but certainly above expectations last year for them. That's your bridge year quarterback. But I thought there would have been other teams that are more quarterback needy that would take a chance on Teddy Bridgewater. If you're going to take somebody at six, like let's say it's a Rosen or an Allen, whoever falls to them there, I don't have no idea who they're into. Uh, and, you know, sorry, Hackenberg and Petty, but thanks for your service. Take yeah. it easy. Uh, they're, they're toast. I, but if you take a quarterback at six and Bridgewater, let's say Bridgewater pans out and he's great, the knee is healthy and he finally comes into his own. Then you flip him in a year. For somebody that needs a starting quarterback. But it's a one-year deal. Right. But, I mean, you, yeah, you could – you're right. It's a one-year deal. But they could they could trade him at midseason. I mean, yeah, let's, I guess. let's be honest. If if the future belongs to whoever they take at six, and you're, and you're basically saying McCown might carry the, the load again in 2018, you could use Bridgewater. Let's say Bridgewater plays great in the preseason. Let's say he even starts a few games. I mean, you could get something for him. Jimmy Garoppolo was traded October 30th of this season. You don't have to remind me. You could, you could trade a Teddy Bridgewater. I, I think it's a decent move for the Jets because it's really low risk. I'm not sure it's the best place for Bridgewater. Um, you know, I'm intrigued by Buffalo right now. Now, they are the t- team that still doesn't have their starting quarterback. Dawn and, of the era of Peterman. And, and <laughs> I don't think so. And. <laughs> They dealt Tyrod Taylor, as we anticipated they were not going to go into another season with him as starter. They dealt him to Cleveland. So Cleveland has their bridge quarterback. What does Buffalo do? Pretty clearly, when they made that deal with Cincinnati, the Cordy Glenn deal, to move up from 21 to 12, and they now have 12 and 22, it's a precursor to another move to try to get into the top five and take the quarterback that they hope is there. I think that's pretty clear. Otherwise, you don't do the deal with Cincinnati. Flip that. Uh, tell me who you think it is. Is it Allen or Darnold? I, I think it's Darnold, but I don't know that he'll be there, and I don't know how high up into the, the top five they have to get. But I think it's one of the big arm, strong arm quarterbacks because, again, that fits climatically the weather situation they have to deal with in Buffalo. Now, don't you think because he does have a big arm that a one-year – let's say, $10 million deal in Buffalo for Sam Bradford would have made all the sense in the world. Just because he's got a good arm, bridge quarterback, played enough now, could bring some savvy, a little, what's the old T word, the old tutelage, if you will. And then you can take somebody, and there's obviously, uh, from what we're seeing in pro day reports and college days, that there's going to be a number of second-tier quarterbacks that people are high on as well now, too. So you maybe don't have to spend that first-round equity. If I'm the Bills, I would assign somebody... And I would use 12 and 22 on some secondary and some receiver threat because I'm not in love with their I'm not in love with their wide receiving core. They could use a tight end, and there's some tight end talent out there. I don't know. I don't think that this. Is, and, and who's the who's left right now? McCarron. AJ McCarron is the guy whose the music is about to stop, and he doesn't have. Now there's a report that the Patriots even talked to him, which I don't quite understand. That doesn't seem to further his career goals at all. Cleveland sitting. wanted him, and then they go out and get Tyrod Taylor. Right. I, there's there For as many, like, I saw the need, wow, you paid a lot for it, okay, you had to do what you had to do in free agency with the rising cap moves, and there are just some. The head scratchers this year are as 
head scratchy, pardon me, as well, you could imagine. We're going to be joined later in the podcast. One of our guests today is Jerry Angelo, the former Bears general manager and then a longtime personnel director for the Tampa Bay Bucks, who I covered back in the 90s um, when Jerry was there. And I, you know, in speaking to Jerry um, before the show, I mean, I know there's a lot of signings that he was scratching his head about as well. Two of the ones that I just simply don't get, Sam Bradford to Arizona. Um, as Eric Weddle, the Ravens safety, said yesterday so perfectly on Twitter, Sam Bradford has been paid more money to do nothing in the NFL than any player in the league's history. Not all his fault, but he was the last quarterback before the new CBA. The, the rookie deal um, limited how much damage you could do to a team's salary cap because he came out in 2010. And then he got another big deal with the Eagles. Uh, and now he's getting unbelievably $20 million a year over two years from the Arizona Cardinals. And I don't get that move at all. I thought Arizona would either be into McCarron or go after Case Keenum really hard. I thought it was somebody with a little bit more upside. Again, the injury history would, would scare me to death. And, and you heard that they were also going to be in on Mike Glennon, and they very well may sign him to be a backup right. as well. Now, he wouldn't stay and be an overpriced backup in Chicago now with Trubisky fully taking the reins. I thought McCarron would have made all the sense in the world. I said that Foles maybe would have been a perfect option. Well, there was a option. lot of people that thought the trade market was where Arizona would go, and Foles was their target. Bradford? Yeah. Bradford's a curious choice. I mean... Will he play well in a dome? Potentially, but will he stay healthy? His own former coach, Mike Zimmer, called his knee degenerative at the combine. So that's you know that physical is not just a cursory physical that they're going to have to run him through. They're going to have to make sure before they hand him twenty million this year um, that he's going to be able to answer the bell. Um, so who's left? I mean, yeah, AJ McCarron. This is probably good news for the Eagles fan who does not want to lose Nick Foles. Because I think unless Buffalo goes after him, and I don't really see that happening, uh, where where is Nick Foles headed now? Uh, nowhere but Philadelphia, it seems. A Super Bowl MVP may play four to eight games and then ride the pine and be a an accomplished insurance policy for right. the defending Super Bowl champions who, may I say, for a team that may be up against it cap-wise, because a lot of teams usually are following Super Bowl victories, have had a nice little run before free agency has officially began as well. I love the Nada signing for one year. Getting Michael Bennett for donuts on the dollar was yep. a was a great trade. That defensive line next year. You're telling me Fletcher Cox, Haloti Nada, Michael Bennett, and Brandon Graham are going to be coming at you, and they can rotate four deep beyond that. Somebody tweeted, "Which team does Jim Schwartz uh, decide to take over as a head coach in 2019? Because this defense should be absolutely scary." Uh, I don't want to use Dream Team. That's been done in 2011 with Philadelphia. Namde Asamoah is still resenting that. Right, it didn't work out. But I will say that Regretting. that defense could be, you know, pretty dominant. Well, and this is all. But this is all. It's crazy because we're talking about what a great run they've had, great start to free agency, and how fearful people may be of facing that defense. And that's also the same defense that gave up over 600 yards in the Super Bowl in victory, no less. Yeah, that's a good point. Excellent I, point. I can't see a team. You, you close your eyes, you run quickly through the AFC and the NFC, and I just don't see who else. The teams that need quarterbacks have gone out and gotten their quarterbacks or laid out their insurance policies before drafting guys in five weeks. I just don't see where – McCarron may very well now be stuck as a backup. A, a 28-year-old accomplished, you know, two-time national champion backup. Yeah. You know, another another quarterback move that I found curious, the Browns ship out Deshaun Kaiser, their second-round pick from last year, their starter in 15 out of 16 games, uh, to Green Bay, to a, a Packers team that just saw Mike McCarthy stand up at the Combine, their head coach, and kind of say, I know Brett Hudley didn't look ready at all times, but I believe in him. We still believe he can be uh, a starter in this league. And now you've gone out and got competition, young competition, for Brett Hundley behind Aaron Rodgers. Curious move because it sends a mixed message. Do you really believe in Brett Hundley, or are you just saying what you have to say at press conferences? Uh, you're the latter. Yeah. Please, yes. Yeah. I think you just actually went out and got a slightly bigger 
younger version of Brett Hundley. And the book's out on Brett Hundley. We saw it last year. He was okay. Yeah. He played like one he had one or two good games. His best game was that Sunday nighter against Pittsburgh. Played better than Deshaun Kaiser, though. Well, but Deshaun Kaiser, talk about just being thrown to the wolves in Cleveland with minimal preparation. Uh, you know, he was on like a Drew Henson plan at times or a Tom Brady plan, whichever way you want to go with it at times at Notre Dame. And he just gets thrown into the mix as a rookie in Cleveland with next to no weapons. Yeah, I, it was a <laughs> it was a no win situation, literally. But I, I will say that it, he did not do anything that would make another team excited about his potential, in my estimation. I don't see anybody looking at him going, wow, if we could get him into a, onto our quarterback depth chart, we might have something here and just sit on it for a couple years and develop it. I thought he was really underwhelming. And remember, he didn't play well as his last year at Notre Dame either. No. He didn't look ready. Brian Kelly said he wasn't ready, his head coach. Um, it His his team was better <laughs> Uh, after he left college, right, um, and I believe the year before he started for Notre Dame, his team was better. So that's pretty telling. That's a backup quarterback insurance policy flyer that Mike McCarthy just took. At no point will anyone be saying, well, Deshaun Kaiser, he's the future here in Green Bay. A- Aaron Rodgers should be fully recovered, should be great, and I think Aaron Rodgers has several good years ahead of him, especially now that Green Bay – in a very unpackers-like way, made a free agency splash or two. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Brian Guttenkost, um said that he was going to be the uh, anti-Ted Thompson, and he's followed through. I mean, they I, look. I don't love the Muhammad Wilkerson signing because that guy kind of dogged it for the Jets once he got his money in his contract. Um, but Jimmy Graham, that, that has a chance of being a, a nice little marriage with Aaron Rodgers. It's nice to see the Packers kind of jo- join the rest of the league and finally give their fans something uh, to chew on before the NFL draft. But kudos uh, to Green Bay and their new GM for not sitting March out as usual. How do you think Packer fans feel, though, about seeing Jimmy Graham and his potential and finally – the or they've had good tight ends in the Green Bay Road. Jermichael Finley had some had some solid years, although a bit of a mercurial talent at times, um, and that terrible injury as well. But you get a great tight end for Rodgers, but you have to say farewell to Jordy Nelson, who you know they love. They do, but I mean, I get the move. the The cap figure ten years, his body has started to break down a little bit. Has he not had some concussion issues as well? Um, but I think the last couple years, you know, they see they see physical challenges for him. I kind of I understand, but it 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 obviously, you know, it takes a lot to whack your your star quarterback's favorite um security blanket. Oh, it's, there's something they're used to around here. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Speaking of uh Danny Amendola, mm-hmm. but we know it'll be Edelman when he gets healthy and comes back next year. However, I'm surprised that there was a team like Miami who said, "Oh, he he'll he'll do for us what he did in New England." Not necessarily. We've seen that over and over and over again. And I think frankly they overpaid him. Malcolm Butler, no-brainer. We saw he was gone February 4th. Yep. As soon as Super Bowl 52 early, wrapped up. Early on the 4th. Yeah, well, Miss Cleo uh, n- maybe didn't necessarily see him getting $61 million. Right. Makes that good situation for him to go to, yeah. though, playing opposite a former cornerback and friend, playing for a former Patriot great as head coach, and obviously somebody who front office-wise knew his talent or was hoping to pounce on him. Deion Lewis got paid. I'm, I, I was always hoping. But again, it's five million a year, right? Four is twenty million over four Patriots years. Never pay starting running backs. Right. It happened once, and Belichick is still stinging from paying Corey Dillon for Super Bowl thirty nine. Right, and that two thousand four season. I am surprised about Amendola. He's taken a number of pay cuts. Did get good money. Was initially not the Wes Welker replacement we thought he was brought here to be. That ended up being Edelman. But he carved out a great role for himself. Yes, he has. Were the Patriots ever going to pay? A number four or five receiver, no matter his clutch, no matter his third down. No matter being a wingman to Tom Brady. No matter his handsome, no matter his, his incredible postseason. And he had a he had a divisional round, a championship, and a Super Bowl for the ages. They were not going to pay that kind of money. I read last night that Miami was in on him well before free agency 
that they've liked him for a while, and the reason was they want to bring some of the character, the personality, and they want to bring a little bit of that clutch in his motivation. They want basically yeah. they want a splash of Patriot way in the locker room, and, and they thought he was available. That almost never travels. I, I Mike Tannenbaum, I like him, but right. in this case, I just I have seen it fail too many times. There's just not many Patriots that have left here and played at the same level or better uh, than they did in New England, or brought that same quality. Um, that Patriot Way quality to the new team's uh, locker room. I just, I don't think that travels. I think that's a culture that was built here, and how you fit in here is is necessarily different than how you're going to fit in elsewhere. Belichick's always out a year early as opposed to a year late. If I'm Miami, now I got Devontae Parker, who has definitely underwhelmed. I got Kenny Stills, who either catches a 75-yard touchdown or nothing. And then now... I'm asking Albert Wilson and Amendola to give me what Jarvis Landry used to give me. And Jarvis Landry, they didn't get a heck of a lot back for him as well. I know he wanted big money. He's going to get it in Cleveland. Helps them out as well there, too. I don't, I don't know. I just uh, Albert Wilson, like 500 and something yards, five touchdowns, and now he gets $8 million a year. Had one big game in Week 17, and he kind of cashed in on that. Um, always be wary of guys who nailed their contract year or at least maybe ended their contract year hot. Also be wary of guys who, you know, were injured most of their career and then got healthy that last year and then cashed in. Because, yeah, I think you have to take the body of work um, and weigh it a lot heavier than than gets weighed um, in some NFL venues. Let's be honest. Sometimes it's about a splash signing to get your fans and your ticket holders excited about the new year. That's what it is. Did you reload Twitter when you saw Sammy Watkins three years, $48 million? Yeah, and we're going to talk about that, uh, I hope, with Jerry Angelo in just a minute. But, yeah, that's a kind of player to me. I think he's incredibly talented, and he was a beast in the red zone for the Rams. I mean, something crazy like eight, seven or eight red zone touchdowns in about 12 throws. But you don't necessarily – call a receiver who's never stayed healthy your number one receiver and say it's a done deal and and you know and and wash your hands of it and that's what Kansas City is doing with Sammy Watkins when you're going to pay 16 million dollars a year for a number one receiver I need more than just great red zone targets and the occasional 75 yard bomb I I need catches I need volume and I'm not sure if Sammy Watkins is going to be able to hold up and give you the volume you would expect off of what is basically a red zone target and an occasional deep threat. And, oh, by the way, the uh, as ex- hashtag as expected, Drew Brees remains a saint. That was the headline that, um, you know, I, I, I some out there kept saying, you know, why, don't, why aren't teams calling him? He didn't want to leave. He said he wasn't going to leave. This was not the drama. Deadlines produce results, and they took it to the deadline, and then they got a deal that Drew Brees is going to get, um, what is it, two years Twenty-five million a year. Mm-hmm. So think about that: twenty-five million a year for Drew Brees, twenty million a year for Sam Bradford. Hmm. What is wrong with this picture? Sam Bradford is eighty percent of Drew Brees yeah. on no given Sunday. It's unbelievable. All right, joining us now on the Cover Two podcast with Banks and Stevens is Jerry Angelo, former longtime general manager of the Chicago Bears, and now writing a column, a weekly column for the Athletic. Uh, a Q&A with Dan Pompey, a longtime Chicago sports writer and former Bears beat writer. Jerry, welcome to the Cover 2 podcast. How are you this morning? Oh, real fine, Don. Uh, glad to be with you. Thank you. Jerry and I go way back. Uh, when I first started covering the Tampa Bay Bucks in 1990, Jerry was already ensconced as the Bucks director of player personnel. I, I believe you spent 14 years in Tampa Bay before moving to the Bears, roughly. Correct, Jerry? Uh, that you hit it 14 yeah. years. Uh, <laughs> half of those were dog years, as you remember, Don. That's true. That's true. Every Bucks year was worth like seven years in real NFL time. Jerry, we're already, um, you know, hours away from the start of free agency, and somehow, bizarrely, it feels like it's almost over already. Um, that is the byproduct of the, the league's two day legal tampering period when now deals can basically be agreed to and all but cooked and all but signed um, before free agency starts. I wonder, first off, let's stick local for you. Um, your former team, the Bears, pretty active. Not only did they sign Allen Robinson, the Jaguars uh, receiver, but they went out and got Trey Burton, 
that Eagles tight end who is known for throwing touchdown passes in the Super Bowl. Uh, and then Gabriel, the receiver um, from Atlanta as well. Uh, surprised that Ryan Pace, the Bears GM, has been that active? Or did you foresee this um, as uh, kind of a byproduct of swinging and missing a couple times in free agency last year? Right. They uh, obviously, Don, their number one need is uh, at the receiver position. They've um, had some uh, bad luck there, uh, injuries, uh, players not uh, working uh, working out well for them. And uh, I think they're just uh, taking the blueprint that uh, they saw with the Rams. Um, with Goff, and they're applying it with Trubisky. They want to you know, surround him uh, with as many weapons as they can. The whole focus is getting Trubisky up and going next year, and it starts with that wide receiver position, um, you know, in, in terms of their evaluation. So those two acquisitions make sense to me. You know, I, I can't help but notice on The Athletic you already have a Q&A out with um, Dan Pompey in which he asked you uh, about Kirk Cousins, obviously the headline name in this year's free agency class, Cousins looks to be all but sealed and done with Minnesota. Three years, fully guaranteed, $84 million. Kind of a landmark deal, really, um, in that fully guaranteed money now is a threshold that has been crossed in the NFL. You do not necessarily believe that the Vikings made a wise move in this signing, Jerry. Explain why. Well, Don, I, I think he went to the best team uh, that uh, fits uh, fits him. You need to have uh, a strong defense, which obviously the Vikings do, uh, a solid running game, and when they get Cook back, that'll be in place, although it was a, a good uh, running attack last year without Cook. So he's in a, uh, an ideal situation. I looked at, uh, as I said, uh, what Washington did. And Washington had him for two years. They franchised him. Uh, both of those years, probably guaranteed, Don, what, close to $40 million guaranteed money with no return. And uh, Jay Gruden's a very good offensive coach, a developer of quarterbacks, and they passed on him. I like Cousins. I saw him uh, at Michigan State. You know, he was a walk-on uh, there. Did a great job. Great intangibles. Everything you want uh, intangibly uh, at the position. And I'm not minimizing the intangibles. But, again, uh, I don't see him as a franchise quarterback, uh, certainly a guy that uh, uh, you can win with. Um, and, you know, now how do we price that? And, obviously, the Vikings uh, put a higher value on his evaluation than what I'm uh, you know, uh, reiterating uh, to you based on what I uh, had written. I like him. I just don't love him. Can you can you honestly say then in in some ways they did not upgrade enough from Case Keenum? You think he's in somewhat of the same ballpark in terms of uh, uh, of being a difference maker and not being in this case? I I, I do, uh, Don. I see him, uh, you know, uh, as an upgrade uh, to uh, Keenum, and he did a good job. He, like I said, he did a a good job, but. Uh, um, at Washington, like uh, you know, Keenum did uh, with Minnesota. And again, I think you have to look at the supporting cast. What are you surrounding them with? The defense, the running game, the offensive receivers. Well, if you have to have everything in place for him to be successful, then I don't see elite. I see good. So, Jerry, uh, I always thought, this is Don's co-host, Nick Stevens, I, I thought Kirk Cousins was a natural fit, and I thought he was going to go to the Vikings all along. I, I've been saying that they were just like what I thought was an elite quarterback or the right guy away from being able to not only get back to the NFC Championship, but maybe make the leap and get past where they were last year and get back to the Super Bowl. I think it's a, I think it's a natural fit. I think he's going to flourish in that offense because they've got wide receivers. They've got a great tight end. Uh, that's a splash for Minnesota. That's really the only move I think they needed to make. We're seeing some insane money being thrown around now before, like Don said, free agency even officially begins. From your experience, do you think it's necessarily 
need based or are you a fan of the throwing crazy money out there to like get the fan base and get the team excited or do you like the sit back and wait and see approach because i think we're seeing half the league go crazy right now with uh cartoon money being thrown around and half the league just saying uh i'm out on this for a while you know everyone's got a good poker face right it's but it's uh historically that's been the uh, mentality of the league every year it's the same story uh you know you're going to see uh, a handful of teams uh, you know uh, going into free agency very aggressively um and I see it more desperateness than I see soundness. I understand it. You have a need. You've, you've been uh, lamenting uh, all off season. You want to get yourself back and going again. You're getting beat up uh, uh, from the media. You know, you got a bad taste in your mouth from losing. I get it. I understand how teams can get very aggressive and want to get back uh, and going again. And you know, get a feel good. And what's where's the best place to do that? Free agency. But you can't. Uh, you can't. Uh, it's not a, a matter of collecting talent. It's about team building. It, you know, the players have got to come in there. They've got to not only fill needs. They got to be have good fits. They've got to have strong resumes. Um, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. Most of the time, the teams that do the best or sustain winning are the teams that take a, a pragmatic approach. They're sound in their approach. They reward their own, um, and they don't look at uh, the draft or free agency as a panacea. You know, you just have to be uh, uh, smart in what you're doing, and you have to have a sound approach. Two years from now, you're going to see a lot of those players that are being signed, you know, back on the marketplace again, and those needs that they felt they were feeling will become needs again. That's a fact as well. Yeah, sometimes a little retail therapy can go a long way, especially after a disappointing season or a number of needs present themselves. So to follow up on that, uh, is there a team that's made a splash that you really like the moves, uh, besides Chicago, I think, has made some excellent moves? And is there a team that either hasn't been active or that has made some moves that you're surprised by or not in favor of? No, I'm, I'm not. There, it's not time to judge uh, uh, free agency. I, I've never been a believer in judging a draft or free agency. I believe in you, you uh, pass judgment on a team, you know, in the fall once they start playing, and then the end result that uh, they get in the playoffs. You know, that's the goal uh, each and every year: getting in the playoffs. Jerry, it's a based, reachable goal for every team. Based on your experience, you must have, I guess, like a set of commandments by now. What do you, what would you advise a, a GM? Like, what are you from history? You've learned what not to do. Where are mistakes made in free agency, and what are your tenets um, of going through that process from first first hand experience? You know, Don, that's a, that's a really good question. And unfortunately, uh, uh, those things that I was saying teams shouldn't do, you know, I was doing. So <laughs> I learned my lessons uh, the hard way uh, and the mistakes that I made. And the mistakes that uh, I made uh, earlier were overpaying average or just solid players. Overpaying them. It, it's a bad model for your cap. Um, it it sends a wrong message to your locker room when you're bringing in players, giving them big contracts, and then they're not performing to a high level. They're just performing uh, to a rank and file level or maybe even less, and you lose credibility. Uh, you know, with your players, obviously, with ownership. So you have to be prudent in your approach, as I said earlier. You do not pay overpay for mediocrity and what you'll see a good handful of these players that will be signed uh, in uh, the next week or two will fall into that category the other thing is you have to look at durability very hard um, players have to stay healthy it's a long season it's a rough game and you've got to look at play history you know game started and tied into performance. It's just not about performance. 
It's also about play history and durability. And then you have to look at the value of the position. Some positions have greater value than others. You just have to look at the um, the marketplace um, in free agency and see, um, you know, what's going on there. You know, obviously, defensive ends, quarterbacks, corners, uh, you know, people that impact uh, the game. Those are the players that you want to pay. And if you're going to, you know, have a little fat in your cap, it's got to be at the value of position. So, so those are some of the tenants uh, that I would uh, follow. And then obviously, too, you have to look at the character of the player because he's coming into your, you know, uh, your locker room and you want to bring in somebody that you know the players have heard good things about and are going to respect. Jerry, last thing, I'm glad you brought up health because two of the deals that were at least agreed to on Tuesday that I found the most surprising uh, were for players that had long injury histories, and yet seemingly the teams that are adding them kind of ignored those. And I'm talking about the Arizona Cardinals, who were desperate at quarterback, signing Sam Bradford to a mind-boggling two years, $20 million per year, and then Kansas City Chiefs going after Sammy Watkins, an undeniable talent, but also a young man who's had extreme difficulty in staying on the field, staying reliable for his team. They expect him to be their number one receiver as if the injury history with Buffalo and even to a degree with Los Angeles didn't exist. Why do teams, you think, still make that type of mistake when it comes to a player who's had a checkered health history? You know, Don, that's a a great question. I can't speak for them, but, you know, you know that old saying, if you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it. I know that's a fact. I, As I said, you know, teams get desperate. They have needs. I understand that. And you got to do what you got to do. I understand that as well. There's always going to be some risk, you know, when you, you go into free agency, when you go into draft. That's a given. There's no such thing as guarantee. There, there are going to be risks, but what you want to do in my opinion, you want to minimize your risk. It's not about risk-taking. It's about risk management. And that's very, very important uh, when you're building a team. And, again, you know, I'm not judging uh, with uh, Kansas City and Arizona uh, have done. Uh, time will tell. They, they're two of the better organizations in football, obviously, um, you know, over the last uh, – three or four years and have a lot of respect for, you know, what they've done. But those those two uh, races you're talking about, they don't make sense to me. Yeah, I was going to say, what, as honest as you can be, would you have been into those two particular free agents if you were a GM yesterday in this league? No. Okay. I would, but again, you know, they do their homework. They have to make their decisions. I have to respect to the fact that they know all that we know. And maybe they <laughs> they have a formula that's a little bit different than uh, what other people have done uh, in the past with those players. I never had that formula. So we'll just have to wait and see. Jerry Angelo, former longtime Chicago Bears general manager, has been our guest on the Cover 2 podcast today with Banks and Stevens. Thanks so much, Jerry. All the best. It's great to hear your voice again. I still do the best Jerry Angelo impersonation in the NFL, <laughs> as I did for you many, many times. All right, Jerry, th- uh, <laughs> good morning, thank and thanks, thanks, thanks for being with us. Okay. Take care, guys. Bye now. Thanks, Jerry. Now, I could have told you, that somebody with the GM experience, the old school approach of a Jerry Angelo, would never have been in on people asking or getting huge money like Watkins and Bradford with injury yeah. histories. It's one thing to throw around huge money to, like he said, try to meet the needs because you're one of those teams that is trying to fix what ails them with money. But to do it with people that may not even be able to give you 50% of the contract you're asking. It's crazy. I, th- I think that's where desperation comes in to play in free agency, and the, and the best teams never allow desperation. The Cardinals had no court, have no quarterbacks. They realize they're not getting Cousins. They realize, you know, maybe the second tier, Keenum, is not coming their way. And they get into Bradford because he keeps beguiling teams with his arm and his ability, and they keep looking past the track record of his health. And – 
I, I think they grossly overpaid him, but I also believe, um, you know, they better have Mike Glennon ready to play, and they better think about a quarterback at number 15 as well for the future because I don't think they addressed anything long-term. This is a Band-Aid type of move. Um, but, you know, in fairness, Jerry Angelo has been on both sides. He really has – he has learned some – lessons in free agency his 10 or 11 years in Chicago I mean you you forget he's been around been around so long Julius Peppers has that he played in Chicago was right. a big free agent signing and and worked out for the Bears Thomas Jones running back that worked out uh Moose Muhammad the receiver came out of Carolina worked out so he had some he had some hits um and, and in the example he was given of you know you have needs and also you you're aware that you want to build a little excitement from your fan base, you you feel that pressure of not winning, um, but th- there were also misses he had, like a Brand- Brandon Merriweather, Roy Williams, the receiver, um, Chester Taylor mm-hmm. uh, had like one good year, I think, with the uh, Ravens as a running back. So, you know, it really is it really is a crapshoot type of year in the league, and I think the best GMs try not to overreact early, and then they come in and make sure that they. They find those players, they think, one that's going to fit easily into their uh, their environment in the locker room, but they also try to get the value players. And one of the biggest issues is the cap keeps going up, so it, the monopoly money is is ever-present. Yeah, you have to be enticed by the, the raising of the cap. And, of course, you do want to do that. You have. I, I've always thought it's so difficult for general managers to, at this time of year, walk that fine line between – Okay, I got to solve this need. This plagued us all last year. I knew it was going to be a problem. Let me throw money at it. Oh, wait a second. I got to build a team. And I think Jerry did speak nicely to the idea that it's all about the team. It's it's not talent acquisition. It's team building. Right. You have to hammer that home as tired and cliche as it gets. You're not creating it. You're not trying to create a fantasy football team. No. An all-star lineup. That's for the rest of us out here in fan land to right. do. Not for the general managers to do. And I think that's got to be one of the toughest jobs for them. Like, you know, he spoke obviously early of the Bears, and he has experience there. I like what the Bears have done. I don't think they're building a fantasy team. I think he was right in that, and this is what some of the teams haven't done. This is where Deshaun Kaiser comes in and falls flat on his face his freshman year, his rookie year, excuse me. With a good prospect like Trubisky coming in year two, you give him a stud. He's got a stud back in Howard. He's got a great wild card in Tariq Cohen. And now, so long as they're healthy... Mm-hmm. X Factor, Kevin White, Cameron Meredith, a burner like Taylor Gabriel, and a guy who's proven that he can be a number one in Allen Robinson. Yeah. And then you get Trey Burton. I like Trey Burton. I'm a big fan. Yeah, I told I, you he was going to score in the Super Bowl. I just didn't know it was going to be throwing the ball. <laughs> I, I think that was a good signing. Uh, you know, I'm a little surprised the Eagles, who just released um, let's see, Zach Ertz as their starter. Brent Selleck was just released. I'm a little surprised they didn't try harder. To keep Trey Burton, and um, not for that kind of money. I, no, not for that kind of money, and that the, they already had cap issues. But um, he's the type of player I would have thought they would have stretched a little bit for. Um, you know, one good development that we haven't talked a lot about is not only have there been a lot of great signings that that move the needle, but the trade factor is really better than ever in March and. Remember, this was a really trade-averse league uh, five years ago, certainly ten years ago. Um, but again, as the cap has grown, I think teams are realizing that those draft picks that they used to hoard so judiciously are, you know, they're not quite the gold that they were seen as. Because there's other ways to build a team when the cap is up around, what is it, 177, 177 million, something like that? I don't think it's year? that high. No. I mean, it went up by about $12 million, I think, this season. Yeah, I, I think it's up in the high 170s at the moment. Um, but there's really... Yep, you're right, 177. Wow. There, there's really a mentality now that teams are rolling the dice. You know, the Rams trading for Marcus Peters and Akib Tlaib in the span of a couple weeks to totally remake their cornerback position. Um, you know, that's... That's kind of the new trend in this league, and I think it's, yes, the young GMs are a little bit more um, comfortable with taking those type of risks. I don't think the Jerry Angelo generation of GMs would have 
been making as many trades, but it's it's certainly added, I think, a lot to the whole personnel acquisition picture uh, in March that these deals are being <laughs> – last week the Cleveland Browns, you know, give John Dorsey the GM of the year award, the early front-runner status. Great trades. I, fan perspective, love the trades. It's so, it's so fun. The NFL has had a great five weeks yeah. since the Super Bowl ended. You come off one of the most – I can say it. That's right. I'm going to say it. I agree with you. It was one of the most entertaining Super Bowls ever. The most. Okay. The All most. Right, right, let's just go ahead and – no, Super Bowl 51 is the most entertaining. Greatest finish ever. Okay. The greatest finish. All right, listen, it still hurts, all right? I'll give you that. But okay. not the most entertaining from start to all finish. Right. Quit, Come pick, on. quit picking at the Come scab, on. Banks. Come on. All right. An amazing Super Bowl, and now you've got all these trades. Free agency is off the charts, and now we're a couple weeks away from the draft, and this draft is going to be fantastic. I have a feeling it's going to be one of the most entertaining drafts. Two nights on prime. It's so big that it's going to have two nights on primetime television. Any draft that has this much quarterback intrigue is always, is always very watchable because you could have as many as five. Who knows? If Mason Rudolph slips into the bottom of the first round, you could have six first-round quarterbacks. Love it, love it, love it. The game of football, for all the concerns, for all the articles we've read, uh, looks like it's in a fantastic place right yeah, now. Yeah, close your eyes. Now, remember, we're all caught up in free agency, but close your eyes and imagine if Baker Mayfield goes number six to the Jets. You know, we're going to totally look at, at the Jets quarterback situation a little differently. You talk about McCown and Bridgewater and then what? Well, what if you fill in the blank with Baker Mayfield? What if it's mm-hmm. Josh Allen? What? I mean, suddenly. Where's Mayfield going? I'm going to be wondering that the next what if it's weeks. What if it's Arizona at 15? What if he falls all the way to Arizona at 15? You're looking at the Cardinals a lot differently. You're going, ah, Mike Glennon. Sam Bradford, that's you know that's old news. The it's, Oklahoma connection in Arizona. We know he looks Bradford good in red. Mayfield? We know he looks good in red. So yeah, I mean you you've got a lot of storylines that are going to be really changed substantially uh, on a team perspective after the night of April twenty sixth. Um, and don't forget, it's in Dallas. It's at Jerry World this year. I can't. Um, the NFL draft is so big; it's in a hundred thousand person stadium. Yep. They'll probably sell standing room only if Jerry. Let's just hope all the seats are installed. I was going to say, maybe I hope not to get an obstructed view. Yeah, that'd be good. Okay, to end the podcast today, Nick, we're going to do something a little different. Uh, I spoke yesterday, actually via Skype, uh, with Patriots cornerback Johnson Batamosi. Uh, He is a free agent, obviously, but he's also in Portugal for the last week as part of the American Football Without Borders tour group. Now, if you don't know anything about them, I've actually written about them a few years. Gary Barnage, the ex-Browns tight end, put together a group. This is their sixth annual trip. They've been to Egypt. They've been to China. A lot of interesting places. Uh, Their aim is to globalize American football and kind of reach underprivileged communities with a humanitarian message and i i do applaud them for that um they go they have clinics they they meet the local um usually children population show them a little bit about nfl football but then they also do some really good humanitarian work and uh, we're going to listen to a interview that i taped with johnson batamosi yesterday from lisbon portugal um, and let that take us out on the Cover 2 podcast for this week. We'll be back next week talking more free agency, no doubt, and perhaps looking ahead to the late April draft. But, again, this is an interview with Batamosi, who is a free agent-to-be. We talked to him a little bit about that. And we appreciate you joining us on the Cover 2 podcast once again. Johnson, I have, I have written about the American Football Without Borders in past years. Uh, Gary Barnage and I have talked uh, uh, several times. I remember that the tour to Egypt and a couple others. How many does this make for you? Have you made all six, or is this three or four for you? I'm, I missed I missed uh, Shanghai, but I've uh, been on the five trips after that, so this is my fifth trip. And tell me about this one and what has made the trip. Uh, to Portugal memorable. Among other things, you guys, and again, American Football Without Borders is about globalizing the American game of football and reaching underprivileged communities with a humanitarian message. Um, So it's partly teaching the game of football to a new audience and obviously a new culture and also doing humanitarian work um, as part of that 
outreach. Um, you just completed two days of camps, Saturday and Sunday, March 10th and 11th, in, I believe, Faro, which is the capital of the Algarve region. Do I pronounce that correct? Yeah, Algarve, Algarve. Algarve. Tell me about tell me about the football camps. How well attended they were, and um, what did you find in terms of the, I guess, the sophistication level of, of football playing in uh, Portugal? Uh, I mean, the, the, well, well, first off, the camp was a lot of fun, and every year is a lot of fun. Um, we always get a different group of, you know, a kind of different group of people. Like some camp, we had more girls. Some camp, we we've, we've had more kids. This one, uh, we had some kids and uh, a couple, you know. And adults as well, um, and, and it was a lot of fun. You know, there's athletes across the entire world. I mean, I could I, I, I could list a couple of Portuguese athletes that you guys have probably heard of who play soccer that you that you guys are familiar with. And so, um, there's athletes you know across the world. It's just um, we are trying to teach them the fundamentals of the game. And and apart from teaching them the fundamentals of the game, every Everybody who is an athlete, or even if you're not an athlete, has a competitive nature, and you can see that come out in the camp. But um, through the camp, we're you know trying to introduce them to. We, we show them drills. We show them some some of the basics of football, and we kind of let them take it from there. And uh, I mean, and, and and it's fun for everybody, and, and their competitiveness comes comes out, so it becomes a, a good camp just because of that. Tell me, tell me what's been memorable about this trip. You you visited a NATO air base. You've been to an orphanage. Um, you're, you're at the U.S. Embassy today in Lisbon. Uh, what, what are the highlight memories that you'll take from this trip to Portugal? Uh, I mean, I think, um, wow, the highlights this whole entire trip has been a highlight, but the, the camp is definitely fun and it's the reason we've been here. But just really get to experience the culture, meet some of the words, and uh, meet the people. They're so hospitable. Uh, and, and, and going... You know, to that orphanage. We wish we got some spend more time with the kids, but as soon as we got in there, they wanted to run around and play soccer, and I was kicking balls with them. Uh, and uh, uh, right now, we're about to see a we're about to see a castle. I forget the Sintra, Sintra where you know where the kings went to vacation during you know their time off, and uh, and you get a different experience being in being in Lisbon, which is definitely a big city. And you know has has a French influence, and they speak 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 Portuguese, and so you see that in city. But then going down to the south of uh, the south of Portugal, which is similar to the south of Spain and south of France, uh, and just kind of seeing how they do things there. You know, they have some amazing golf resorts, and comparing you know the landscape to some to me, it, it looks like a lot like San Francisco, the Bay Area, with the hills and the way the houses look. So. Um, it's been an entire experience, you know. I feel like I'm studying abroad in a sense, where you get, you get to you learn not just by sitting down and, and being in a classroom, but interacting with people and um, and just kind of paying attention to what's going around. Johnson, uh, I remember the world was treated to the the visual of Marshawn Lynch riding a camel when you went to Europe or, or when you went to Egypt a few years ago. Um, Marshawn is part of this tour as well, correct? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Has he done anything quite as Marshawn-like as riding camels in Egypt? Uh, any highlights that you can share of Mr. Lynch? I, I, think, I think when Marshawn takes a drink of water, it, like TMZ picks it up. So <laughs> Marshawn, we're, we've all been having a lot of fun on this trip. So. Uh, it's Gary Barnage, a former Browns uh, tight end. Andre Reed, uh, former Bills uh, Hall of Famer. Uh, Marcus Peters, now a Los Angeles Ram. Uh, was he over there when he got traded, or, or did that predate uh, his trip to Portugal? Not a little bit before the trip, but what a what a great guy. He was still able to make the trip, and he has just an amazing heart, and it showed just by – it showed with his interactions with the guys, and it showed with his interactions with the kids. Like, he had we – had, we all had a lot of fun. Also, two former Patriots, Barkevius Mingo and Jabal Sheard, are, are along as well. Uh, it's a pretty sizable group. I'm, I'm thinking this might be the largest group you guys have ever taken over. Uh, I don't know. We've uh, we always have uh, a core group of guys that come, and then some guys who aren't able to come because of this or that reason, and some new guys. And so uh, it is a pity pity brick group. It's almost like a it's almost like half it's like a, an entire offense defense. <laughs> 
just have kind of that locker room feel. So, L- last question, Johnson. We'll let you go. Free agency is going crazy over here. It's obviously the two-day tampering, legal tampering period, but a lot of deals already getting done. Are you staying in tune? with NFL free agency and and obviously your own situation with, uh, as a potential free agent this year um, in New England. Oh, man, I don't, I don't, you know, I barely have Wi-Fi, so I don't even know what's going on over in the States. Is free agency going on? Well, it starts officially tomorrow at 4 p.m. Eastern, but that two-day period where agents can talk to teams is undergoing. It's already being reported Kirk Cousins is going to sign with the Minnesota Vikings. Case Keenum is going to sign with the Denver Broncos. A lot of moves have already under, uh, undergone. Okay, so what's the question? I, I just wanted to know if you were um, given your own potential free agent status, or are you staying in contact? I guess as free agency opens. Yeah, I mean, um, I am an unrestricted free agent, and um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to play football next year just because I really enjoy it and hope to play for uh, seeing where I want to be and seeing the ones to be. So I'm sure it all work out. Are you hope Are you hopeful of coming back to New England if it works out? Say it again? Are you hopeful of remaining a Patriot? Uh, I mean, I really, really enjoyed my experience with the Patriots, and uh, if they'll have me back, I would love to be there. All right. Johnson Batamosi, live from uh, Lisbon, Portugal, as part of the American Football Without Borders um, Humanitarian and Football Clinic Group. Thanks so much for joining us on the Cover 2 podcast today. Thank you for downloading the Cover 2 podcast from Patriots.com. Second and goal to go from the two. Toss sweep right for James White. Cuts it under the red arm. Cuts it upfield. Driving forward. Diving to the goal line. It's still a touchdown. And a title for the Patriots. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Log on to Patriots.com anytime for more news and more podcasts covering your favorite team and all things NFL.